Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two members of the 2021 all podcast team. What's up, Sarah and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Um, I'm honored to make the team. Um, you know, I was really hoping for the MVP of podcasts or the defensive player of podcasts, but mm. uh, I will take the uh, all podcaster team. Okay. Uh, if you want to talk to me about stretched analogies, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And my name is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And um, remember, the best ability is availability. Right, it sure, it sure is. So yeah, right before, uh, right before the game today, the uh, the Nets game, the the 2021 All NBA team uh, teams came out, and uh, Joel Embiid finds himself on the second team because the first team is Giannis, Curry, Doncic, Jokic, and Kawhi. You like no no one should be no one surprised about this, right? No, I mean, they don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Well, it's you know, I, I don't know that this is an availability conversation. This is like the all NBA team. I don't know. Do you have to be like available to make the all NBA team? I feel like if you were to say, like, okay, give me the five baddest dudes to win a basketball game i would I, I don't know i got a hard time saying that people would take Jokic in that situation over and beat like you know this is like fantasy world right like okay everyone's healthy everyone's full strength we're playing one basketball game for the fate of the universe who do you want on that team i mean i'm not taking Jokic over and beat yeah it's it's different criteria than the mvp you know i mean maybe it shouldn't be but it it stands to reason that it's who's just the best player at his position. You know, it's Embiid. You know, it, it. So it's not who was most valuable to their own team and how do you weigh that versus playing time. It's like no, who is the best? You know, or maybe you just feel like position? you know, if, hey, look, if I if I vote if I vote Embiid to the first team, then I'm a fraud because I voted for Jokic to be the MVP. So it's like. Oh, I'm sure that's a hundred percent. I'm sure like people might even agree with us in principle, but if they're voting for somebody other than Embiid as MVP, I guess you can't put them on the first team. So I, I, I don't know. Anyway, well, why don't isn't know. there an equivalent like this in other sports? There's not like an all MLB team. Uh, I don't think that there's an equivalent in hockey. Sarah, you can correct uh, me there if is. I'm wrong there. There is. There the is. The year, they're like the all NHL team. It uh, seems to generate no buzz. That's why I'm asking. Well, it's hockey and we're in America. <laughs> but um, there is two teams. Um, it's And they're the postseason all-stars. So it always gets very confusing. Because um, like, oh, was this person an all-star or not? And everyone remembers the mid-season. Nobody remembers the end of the season. But it does exist in the in the NHL. Yeah, I don't know. And no other, no other Sixers are uh, of note in that uh, conversation. But okay, Sixers lose game four, one hundred three to one hundred. <laughs> uh, really annoying fashion. Um, let's just let's just relive the whole thing. 
no, we don't have to do that. But uh, <laughs> I, I really, really wanted to get Dr. Keith Heck on the show today to talk about it. Um, but we, w- we will have him on the show sometime in the near future. This situation with Embiid is very troubling. Overall, I feel like I'm not, I'm not, like I'm not worried being 2-2. Like the fact that it's 2-2 does not worry me. I mean, it's the, it's the Eastern Conference semifinals. Like it's not supposed to be easy. Like if I think what I titled the show was easy, everyone would do it. Um, it's not supposed to be easy and you knew it was going to be a fight. So I'm not worried about it being 2-2. We have home court. All we got to do is win two out of three with two games in Philly. This should be no pro- uh, no problem, but it's this Embiid situation that has me like I'm not pushing the panic button, but I'm like okay, where where is that <laughs> panic button? Because I need to make sure I know where it is in case I need it. Yeah, I I'm more inclined to panic. It's just in my nature. <laughs> um, but. But I, I again um, am missing, you know, Doctor Keith tonight because I I'm scared for Embiid and what's his health going to be the rest of this year and what's his health going to be the rest of his career? You know, like this is probably an immoral question, especially one for a doctor. But like if. If we are worried that things are not going to get better next year with his, you know, body holding up, maybe do we go, hey, Joel, give it all you got this year. Just just put it all out on the court. We're not going to need you next year. We're here to win the championship this year. If your knees explode, they explode. But uh, and I'm being facetious, but only a little. Like, if this is... If this is the best shot the Sixers have to win a championship with him here, is there any guarantee he's going to be more healthy next year? So, do you do you push it? You know, do you go, hey, just give it your all, and if you screw up your career, well, hey, your career's probably pretty screwed anyway. Here's like I here's the thing I don't know, and and I would I would love to get an, an expert's opinion on this. Is it is it a wear and tear? issue or is with Embiid like is it Embiid like a wear and tear issue with like load management or are these like lightning in a bottle incidents that that happen so like what I'm saying is is like okay let's say Embiid played I don't know 40 games uh, over the course of the season and the Sixers were the I don't know the the sixth seed or something like that coming into the playoffs would Embiid be like an unstoppable force, totally fresh, like immune from injury, or would these same situations happen regardless of previous, you know, load? Does that make sense? See, I, I think with Embiid in particular is you have the worry that you can have both types of injuries. He's a seven foot guy who tries to move like, like six, like he's six, five. He, he throws his body around like, um, like Allen Iverson. It's funny. I was, I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was somebody on, on Twitter that I guess made the comment is, you know, d- is Joel Embiid, does he lead the, does he lead the Sixers franchise in, in, in falls or, uh, you know, time on the floor, um, literally on the ground. Um, <laughs> and um, our friend of the show, Jason Blevins kind of commented, like you're talking about a franchise that had Allen Iverson. Um, so probably not. But um, I think that the problem with Embiid is 
you have a guy who plays the way he does at the size that he is. The reason why those things are rare is because it's very hard to get all the way into the physical conditioning you need to be in to play at that size as athletically, as physically as he does without having major catastrophic injury. If you look at the history of these very super athletic tall guys, they all have these sorts of... Think about Yao Ming's career. Yao Ming probably would have been one of the most dominant players to ever play the game of basketball. But he would miss whole seasons at a time because he just could not stay healthy. Uh, You're putting so much strain on these joints over time, you can cause injury. And because you are so big and gravity forces you to take such hard falls, you can also have these sort of quick strike injuries. It is an, it's an impossible situation to manage. You just have to sort of take him for what he is. It's the reason why he didn't go number one in the draft. The reason why Joel Embiid didn't go number one in the draft was not because people didn't believe that Joel Embiid was talented. It's because they feared his injury issue. He came out of college with an injury issue. So uh, I think that the Sixers try and do everything they can they try to do the load management to sort of mitigate the wear and tear injuries. Uh, I'm sure that they've talked to him about uh, making adjustments in his game to try and mitigate these uh, quick injuries or these 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 more traumatic injuries. But I mean, he's playing. He plays how he plays. You, you know, you don't want to completely curb his aggressiveness. You don't want to completely curb the way that he attacks the rim or attacks the you know things on defense. That is why he is the best player on your team. So I think when you sort of build your franchise around a a seven foot center, who's athletic, you sort of have to roll the dice and hope that everything lines up and you, you, you can, you can go as far as you can. In this particular, this particular injury, I think the thing that we saw on, on, on uh, Wednesday or uh, yesterday, Monday, it wasn't so much about like the, the trauma of the injury, being re-aggravated. I think that the nature of the injury is over time, you are in so much pain and he's been in pain since the injury occurred. Eventually your body is just not going to be able to have that same lift and spring and things like that, that you would normally have. I don't think mentally he had any problem. You could see that mentally he knew where he wanted to be on the, on the floor. He was trying to put up the shots that he normally makes. He just physically could not get the same lift on the ball. Um, and that's why he he wasn't productive. It wasn't that he couldn't put himself in the same positions, get open, make the same, be in position to make the same plays he normally makes. He just didn't have the, you know, it just wasn't in his knee. And the hope is that with a little time off, you know, sort of the rest gives him a little more strength in it. But well, Gene, you kind of waterbugged like sort of all over my outline here. Um, <laughs> like, let's just kind of take it from the top here with talking about the falls. I think there's two types of Embiid falls uh, to me. Like, I see. Like, so there's the there's the Embiid like bone collapse fall that he does. That I think that he does to preserve himself from injury. It's like, okay, well, instead of taking this fall, I'm just going to like ragdoll it you know like um like woody just saw like andy walk in the room and it's just like whoop. um <laughs> and then there's also the like the the 
God damn, that looked like that hurt kind of fall that sometimes he he takes and you can actually like hear the smack, um, you know, through your television set. And what's funny is I don't think he gets hurt on either either type of those falls. It seems to me like he always gets up from those falls. It's the land on his feet fall, like just jumping motion that Mm -hmm. seems like it's the most damaging to him. So it's almost like I want to see him fall more because I know he knows how to do this. Like he knows how to roll. He knows how to like, you know. Yeah, he's like one of those moving vehicles. Back in the 90s, there were those those commercials that like uh, were about the crash test dummies, you know, every, you know, don't be be a dummy. He sort of seems like he's one of those crash test dummies where he's, he can really sort of like take right. sort of a beating when he's thrown around, but I, I think right. this- he's the Brit Reed. You know, it's like you don't get hurt. The drunk person doesn't get hurt. You know, it's Jesus. like you, it's just because it's so relaxed. It's like you know, it's just okay. Well, just fall apart. But like, yeah, it's when he comes down on those joints. That's like that's when there's the issue. But that's like normal basketball stuff that could happen. At any time in any game on any play at any moment, Embiid's season could be over. Because that's, that's yeah. those, those joints like are designed with like that's the thing. Those tendons you know? they just explode. <laughs> We're going to do an Embiid explosion count tonight. We, we've mentioned it a few times. But Dave, your your point about that's just basketball. Well, that's just the life of someone who is Joel's size, you know, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, he's tall and that helps you in basketball, but he's huge. And he, the knee joints work the same as any of ours. And there's wear and tear. And once he starts breaking down, and I believe we even said it, uh, we had, um, you know, our resident medical expert on a previous episode way back when talking about how, Embiid is playing on borrowed time, you know, for a all-star superstar career. And th- th- that's okay. There's on- only so much he can do about it. That's, you know, why I would said the morbid, facetious comment I made to begin with of just keep running him out there is because how much wear and tear is he going to get just living his life? And I'm not talking about, like, he's going water skiing or or playing pickup basketball or doing anything crazy. I'm talking about just getting around and living. You know, you you see it in very tall, very large people. You see it in obese people where your body just wears down. And, you know, give it to Embiid. He's got the, the heart of a warrior. He goes out there. He plays hard. You know, maybe last game he should have stayed out. Because I think both you, Gene, and you, Dave, mentioned the the lack of lift, and he and Embiid mentioned that he couldn't uh, jump after the game, and we saw it. How many how many missed baskets that were layups happened? From well, here's Embiid. his quote. Here's his quote. It was a great look. I just didn't have the lift. Thought I got fouled too, but usually I would just go up and try to dunk it, try to get fouled, and get an and one but I just seemed to not be able to, you know, jump for obvious reasons. Yeah, that's not good. That's not like, you know, jumping is a key part of basketball. You know, unless he's just going to hang out the line and push over. Unless you're Boban, Boban. (laughs) jumping is important. 
is I wonder is there and we're not getting any like we get no information about this stuff from from the Sixers like at all. Is there some kind of treatment that he can go through to sort of so all right, two questions. One, this is not something that will get worse. I mean like is it just play through the pain situation and then you'll get fixed after the season's over or you know can he get like a shot or um like what is the between game treatment that will like so is there any prayer for tomorrow night for us to see like a different Embiid from what I understand the best treatment for this injury is rest just being being off of the being off of the injury. I think what happens is that the nature of the injury is that it causes a lot of inflammation around the joint. So when you have that swelling, it causes a lot of that pain. So should and we just you, rest them tomorrow night? Just I, I go into have, the game saying, like, look, no Embiid. Don't worry about it. He's out. He's ruled out for the game. No Embiid. Doc, put together a game plan. Ben, no Embiid. You got to do stuff. Everyone <laughs> else, like, make shots. No Embiid. And then well, I, think, says, I think if you well, ask what Joel about opinion, and you go, no, no, no Embiid. If you ask Joel and no opinion, he's going to tell he's going to tell you that he wants to play. Um, I think the reason well, why he's been day to day in every game is because they go into warm ups or as early as late as they can possibly watch him to see how the knee's reacting. Um, I think that they played him in that game on Monday a lot longer than they wanted to play him. I think that that game stayed too close in the second half. Uh, and if they had been able to pull away earlier in the game or at some point in the, th- in the second half and they could have gotten him out for most of the game, the, you know, wouldn't have become such a, such a problem. But when what you rely you on him in certain places to take over. Oh, Embiid only plays fourth quarter. How so far you, could it, how, like how out, of, how out of control could it be? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different scenarios that you can kind of cook up. Um, I think that Doc has a certain sense of like if I've got Joel, I'm I'm gonna play him as much as I can. Yeah, I get it, but if you play him and he's and he's as effective as he was in the second half or from the second quarter on in in yesterday's game, it's like what's the there's no point anyway. I think that that's why you need to have an adult in the room, um, and I think if you ever listen to the to the truly competitive and great athletes with that sort of I will gut it out through everything mindset um they will do it to their detriment um we all have heard the the mythic stories of you know like Michael Jordan in that Jack in the with, the, with the with the flu the flu game but I mean honestly there's only one Michael Jordan there's very few people and I bet you there were a lot of other times in Jordan's career where he had those symptoms where he didn't have that game you know what I mean? There's very few people that have that mindset that can figure out a way to sort of play through that. I think that's why you have to sort of have an adult in the room that's like, listen, as much as you want to play, I, you know, I am looking at what I'm seeing here from what you can give me physically. I am much better off going on with these 12 guys and making it, making those adjustments than I will be trying to have Joel at 50%, 40%. And somebody else has to make that decision, and someone else has to own that, whether it's Doc Rivers, whether it's someone in the front office. Somebody has to sort of – and they need to make that call a lot earlier than, 
right before game time. In my opinion, I know that they're probably playing a little bit of mental chess with the Atlanta Hawks, but honestly, what, what I want to see is you have the best, most productive players on the floor to, to beat the Atlanta Hawks. They have a lot of ways they can beat the Hawks. You've seen Shake Milton be able to take over the game. You've seen uh, Tobias Harris be able to take over the game. Find a way to put the guys that are able to score in the best positions to win the game. And if Joel's not that guy right now, don't, you know, don't sort of say, well, he's he's our MVP, he's our guy. We're just going to roll the dice. It's, it's, it's early enough in the playoff run where you've got to, you've got to do what's best for the team and you, somebody has got to be the grown up. Yeah. And that I want to hop on that because that goes back to Dave's point of, do we just sit him for, for game five preemptively if he's not up for it, if there's any doubt. And especially like you said, Gene, you know, rest is probably best uh, to sound like Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. Uh, in case you want to know how old my kids are. Um, but when you're sick, rest is best. Um, and maybe just go, hey, we're not winning the championship without Embiid. You know, and if we can't win this round without Embiid, or at least another game to get make it a, you know, a w- win one and we go to the next round, if we can't do that without Embiid, we're not going to win the championship. And this isn't about this proving the Sixers are a good team. This isn't about moral victories with this team and the NBA the way it is right now. It's about winning the championship. And if you can't win at least one game against the Hawks without Embiid, you're, you're not going to win the conference finals. You're not going to win the the championship. So I say I'm on board with if he's if he's less than 70 percent sit him down unless you leave him rest. home unless you leave him home you know he plays tomorrow if you win oh. you leave him home and then you try to steal one on the road without him and if they, you don't then you come home and then you have like an even more well-rested Embiid. But like, what the hell? I mean, Jack Youngblood played a playoffs, a Super Bowl, and a Pro Bowl on a broken leg. So maybe Embiid can do it. I mean, are we allowed to pump Embiid up just through like, all right, here's your Vicodin, here's your scotch. Let's have fun out there. So there's some more comments from Embiid that make me kind of go like, what? So he said, I thought from the beginning of the game, even before I went to the locker room, I just felt like I didn't have it tonight. You could see it from the beginning of the game. It was tough. You could just tell. And if I'm not dominating, especially defensively, it's easy to tell. I'm sure they saw it. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, if that's the way you were feeling, and I'm gonna put that on Doc, you know, unless Embiid was keeping his cards really close to his chest. But that I, just been, makes it kind of sound like, oh, okay, well, I kind of, I from the beginning of the night, I had an off night. Yeah, but uh, the the way I heard it was like his he had an off night physically, like yeah. his body wasn't up to it, and it's not like the regular season where we're like, oh, let's rest and be to keep him healthy. He's already not healthy. He's been not healthy since you know game. 
I just think you can that. interpret that in a way that just says like, look, it wasn't happening for me. To, like tonight, I knew it right from the start. It was a bad night. And it just, you know, that's just how it was. It was a bad night. I didn't have from the beginning. I knew it. They knew it. I mean, that's, that's fair. It. I mean, there's ebbs and flows in anyone's performance of anything. Um, so if he was just saying, I didn't have it tonight, then then that's different than saying he wasn't physically uh, capable of it. Then you have this quote from Embiid. It happens. Bad games happen. I've been playing well. Sometimes you just can't control it. I thought in the second half a bunch of shots went in and out, a couple of calls that could have gone either way. I can do better. I can always do better. But as far as being 100%, I don't think that's going to happen until the year is actually over, obviously. I just have to go out and manage it. It certainly that like that quote doesn't make it sound to me like I have a major problem. I'm not going to be able to play anymore. I think there's just a combination of there was a lot of pain. It wasn't like the night wasn't going great, especially that second half. And I, I'm not going to say you like packed up the tents, but like, you know, Embiid's like a, Embiid's like a momentum guy and like, you know, 89 nights out of a hundred, he's got the momentum and, you know, it just wasn't, it just like wasn't working for him that night. And like, I, I, like I really, really, really am not saying that he quit. That is not what I'm saying. I don't think that Embiid quit on the team. I just think he got down on himself and he gets like discouraged. I mean, I don't we're gonna talk about WIP in a second, but I I will never, ever, ever doubt his commitment to this team and what he's willing to do for the team and for the city. And you know, obviously the the Raptors series uh showed me that that commitment, and I I know he's out there in pain with every step. Um, so I would never, I would never say that ever, ever, ever about Embiid. But I do think that it was just not his night. And I think that's why I'm optimistic about this series. I think you're, you're right. And and to your point, Joel seems to be a guy that feeds off of energy and it's you, he feeds off energy, whether it's positive energy or negative. Um, so when he's, on the road and he's really hitting his stride and, and sort of silencing a crowd or really feeling that sort of hate vibe. He's like a dementor he that up in the same way that he does, you know, elation at home. Mm -hmm. um, we have always had a hard time playing in Atlanta. It's just a weird environment with the people weirdly standing on the sidelines. Um, with, with it, it's sort of a, an odd combination of like intense fan base versus like they give, go completely dead silent for large sections of the game. It's an it's a strange place for them to play. You've heard the other players talk about how weird it is the place to play in the regular season, and it's it's you know going back over years they've had terrible luck playing in that environment. The fact that we stole one game while we uh, down there was was huge for us. Um, well, that's I, I all really, you heard after game two was we did our job. We stole one game. Right. Okay. Well, now we did our job. We stole one game. Now we got to right. come home and we got to just hold home court and, you know, we're fine. I yeah. Guess. I mean, more so in any other sport, they often say in basketball, you haven't really seen the series start until a team wins on the road. Uh, it's interesting that in this series, we've seen both teams 
went on the road. So um, I'm I'm looking for the home team to win the rest of this series. Uh, I've I've sort of committed to the fact that this is going to be a seven game series. That's sort of where my mindset is at, and um, I, I I just think it's going to be Sixers and seven. I like your sort of your game plan here as far as Joel Embiid's concerned. I like playing him tomorrow as much as you can get out of him, resting him, don't travel with him to Atlanta, literally just leave him on the couch in Philadelphia, don't even have him as an option, and then have him do something heroic in game seven, honestly. Well, That's I mean, if I'm a betting man, which I am a betting man, um, I would say that the Sixers are going to win this in six. I think we're going to win tomorrow night. I think Embiid's going to have a performance that's going to make you go like oh okay that was an aberration the other night and then we're gonna go to atlanta and you know whether whether a first quarter storm and then they'll be packing up the tents by the end of the third quarter um that's just the way i see it i don't think that i don't think of atlanta as like a gutsy team or like a team that's really gonna like battle it to the end they just seem like i don't know that's just my opinion we, we have seen stretches of this of this series where they have been able to completely take any of their dangerous players out for long stretches of the of the of the game. Trey Turner uh, was almost invisible in the first half yesterday. When they are shooting the three at a high percentage, like any other team in the NBA, they're able to keep pace with the Sixers. This is a very streaky Atlanta team who can go on for long stretches where they cannot hit. The ocean. Um, so they've had to, they've had two really good shooting nights. Those are the two games they won. Yeah, the the only thing I want to say about that is I'm frustrated in that so much of the the results of the series seems to be dependent on Atlanta. You know, I I would, and I'm probably expressing this poorly, but. Where it's like, well, Atlanta's not this good, but they're really hitting everything, and you know, they're they're making the plays they need to, where the Sixers aren't. But it's no big deal. I'm like, oh, it sounds to me like the Atlanta's dictating the terms of this series, where it really should be the the Sixers. After that game one loss, it's disheartening that it, it's tied two two after such a great game two. And, you know, there, there's games down in Atlanta. You know, they were just hard-fought basketball games. Atlanta so won both like... their games by a combined five points. We won both our games by a combined 36 points. The series is not as close as it appears. We're clearly the better team. And it's and and that's how it's going to play out over the course of the rest of the seven-game series. And it may go seven. I think it'll go six. We're the better team. I'm not worried about it. Embiid's going to play, and it's going to be fine. So that's it. End of discussion. I'm not talking about this anymore. You guys carry on. Well, that shut me up. Now, didn't <laughs> uh, <laughs> Although I will say, historically, your gut feelings have tended to be correct on the op- optimistic side. If you're like, we got this, you know, you know, silver lining Dave is not really a guy you see very much. No, so, no, no. no, if it's like, oh, we got this, I we got this, I feel comfortable. That's a pretty good indication that that the Sixers are the better. Most team. notably, twenty seventeen Eagles. Oh yeah, you were on that. 
early. <laughs> you were on that early for for me and so many other people. It was like, oh, well, we're playing with house money, and you know, we all want to see, yeah, uh, you know, Nick do well, and you know, it's it's going to be a shame that we don't cards in our well. But Dave's like, no, no, we're winning, we're winning, and like going. I think most notably, it was going up against uh, the Vikings, where I was like, mm, I'm a little concerned. You know, I I was excited. By that point, I felt like it felt special. It felt like, hmm, this really could happen. But I was like, I don't know. This is going to be the, the toughest challenge we've had so far. And Dave, you at that time was like, nah, we're going we're gonna to destroy him. I'm like, all right, I guess so. And then we did. And then it was the three of us uh, at Dave's house with his family and it was just a blast. Second half on, it was just a party. Well, so and, I'm hoping that this, you're right again. This team reminded me, like, reminds me a lot of that. The way the path is clear. Uh, the, it, for the me east, too. the east well, is clear. Look at this. Like, Harden is hobbled. Uh, Irvin is 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 out. You know, you don't know what that's going to be. I mean, like, obviously the Bucks, if they come out of that series, are going to be. Uh, a challenge, but the Sixers have always risen to the Bucks challenge um, in big games. Like most recently, Christmas, you know, uh, was it last year? Christmas last year? I don't know what it, when it was, but the big, there was a Christmas game where we just absolutely dismantled the Bucks, um, and it was supposed to be a big game. Uh, and then, you know, in the West, the West isn't scary right now. You know, LeBron's out. Um, I, I think uh, it would have been nice to, to see a Sixers Nuggets final where Embiid could like really say like okay MVP let's do this, uh, you know it didn't work out that way but you know the Jazz would be a super fun series that I think we would have the the edge in I, I you know I don't know I just think it was I just think it was lined up for them this year so if Embiid can be Embiid and do do what he do. Um, you know, I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a fun year. So, all right, I'm back to being optimistic now. I was not. I was like I was a little down on myself coming into uh, the show tonight. So I feel I feel better now. I feel better. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. So, um, uh, do we want to do we want to get salty and talk about talk radio for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Um, because so in Joel Embiid. Uh, keeping it with Embiid, he um, he set up a watch party uh, last night at um, I, I believe it's called the Sunday Breakfast uh, Mission Homeless Shelter uh, for a hundred people to have an outdoor viewing party of the playoff game, and um, you know this just adds to like who Embiid is, like what. <sighs> like how grounded he is for someone who is just so like, um, I don't know. It plays in like another stratosphere sometimes. And you're just like, I don't understand this guy, but he really is like a grounded sort of salt of the earth type person who understands like where he came from and wants to give back. And like, we don't, I, you know, I don't, and I, I sent this tweet out. Like, I don't know that we deserve this person, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, but whether we deserve him or not, we have him, and I believe that we can absolutely appreciate him um, for you know everything that he does for the team, for the city, um, for the people of the city, and then for our scumbag talk radio station to put a poll out this morning that says 
Do you think Joel Embiid is making his knee injury look worse than it is? Yes or no? Why? Why? Why would you even ask that question? Was anyone in 2001 asking if Allen Iverson was making uh, you know, his injuries look worse than they were? It's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's insulting. Uh, if I were a player in the city, if someone's asking me after I'm laying it out there night after night, I'm grimacing with pain every step I take on the court, every jump I make, I'm in absolute agony. And I got this blowhard Angelo Cataldi yelling into a microphone every morning asking if I'm making it look worse than it is. Are you kidding me? I I don't even get it. I don't even get it. What? This isn't him blowing off the All-Star game. This isn't him, you know, hey, Embiid's hurt for Christmas game. Oh, that's convenient. There's no... There's no reason to overplay his injury. There's no history of him doing this, as far as I know, there, or even history of the accusation of him doing it. it it's it's just muckraking. It's, it is, I was going to say irresponsible, but I don't even hold WIP to that standard. I don't hold them to the standard of responsibility, it, but it's, it, it's baffling. It's infuriating. This is the guy you should be r- rallying around. You know, if you want to ask a cheap poll question, you know, go, hey, is Embiid going to be back? Or go pick on Ben again. You know, pick, go ahead and pick on Ben. Or, or go, should the team be doing more to compensate? You know, is this, is this the... Is this Elton Brand's fault for building a team around one guy? I don't know. Have something different to talk about, but why the hell would he overplay a knee injury? Look, I don't have to tell our listeners how vile, disgusting, corrupt WIP is, and the fanatic. I mean, for that for that matter, I mean they're not like that much better. Um, I don't have to tell our listenership this, but. If there's anyone out there, you know, who has a a parent, a loved one, a friend that they know that may still listen to sports talk radio, um, reach out to them, help them, show them that there are these things called podcasts. Um, there there are websites like the Athletic um, that have intelligent, uh, thoughtful takes on actual sporting events that can increase your knowledge of sports um, and increase your enjoyment of, of sports um, and, and seek out these things. Don't just go to your preset radio stations on your dial to get your sports entertainment there. there I mean, obviously the painted lines has uh, you know, a, a whole cavalcade of shows that will give you, thoughtful insights on your local teams. But even outside of that, like anything is better than supporting this dreck that has dominated this city for decades on end, shouting into a microphone, ruining the reputations of players, turning a fan, turning fan bases against our own players and coaches 
uh, to the detriment of the city and their teams. It's, it's, I'm just so tired of it. And it's like part of the reason why, you know, I like doing this show because, you know, we get to talk and not be ridiculous and have level headed conversations about things. I don't know. I'm just. And, and don't you think Philadelphia deserves better? This is not, I, I don't want to do rah rah Philadelphia fans are so great. They're so smart. But one thing we are is passionate. And, you know, find your communities out there. You know, we have a, a, a good community here. We have a nice community here. But find your, your like-minded people, and you'll see that people watch the games. You know, maybe they don't know all the stats, but they have a sense of what's going on. So we deserve better conversation. We deserve the people who have the platform, who have the podium to elevate the conversation, not the other way around, you know, and if you can't make the conversation interesting, that's on you. You know, if you, if you can't make it compelling to talk about nuance, that's on you. And, and, challenge the fans that's the that's my greatest aggravation with the fanatic more than wip because the fanatic had an opportunity to do something different and um you know we have somebody like uh jason martinez um which i know i mispronounced his last name i always try to make it martinez but it's not uh jason martinez, martinez um, yeah. he is so much more nuanced now that he's not on the fanatic and i actually reached out to him once about that and just said like i forget how i put it but he goes well i'm not talking to the general fan anymore i'm i'm going in presupposing there's a certain level of knowledge but just stop talking to the lowest common denominator and see what happens exactly exactly it's my I always had respect for Jason because, you know, I gave him some hell on Twitter once upon a time because, unfortunately, I like to do that. But he, he stood up to it, and he, he we had a back and forth that was respectful, and he said his piece, I said mine, I moved on with my day. But when he left 97.5 and he got fired or laid off or whatever, his level of conversation got elevated. Right. And. Let's elevate the conversation. Let's not play the lowest common denominator. Like I mean, this said, isn't Dave, a this isn't a debate on whether sports talk radio in Philadelphia is good or bad because it is objectively bad. bad. Uh, it's it's like awakening the public to the fact that you have uh, just. I mean, he's not an idiot because he's smart. You have this blowhard from New England making millions of dollars off of the the i don't know the lizard brain of the philadelphia sports base that is so easily i don't know well i mean i think maybe the best example of sort of the personality manipulation that's happened to the philadelphia fan is if you were to take 10 philadelphia eagles fans in a room and ask them who the best quarterback in the franchise is that is not going to get you 10 answers of Donovan McNabb. <laughs> if you were to do well, that. I know. Week, and, and every one of them would say, you could, and Bobby I, Ryan was the greatest coach in Eagles history. I, I, I objectively have a Randall Cunningham jersey in my closet. He is my childhood hero. But I'm telling you right now, without a doubt in my mind, uh, Donovan McNabb was the best Eagles quarterback in franchise history, period. 
End of story. And yes, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Donovan can have a better quarterback. Period. And yeah. but that's the problem is if you took ten Eagles fans and you put them in chickies and peach in front of all of the crab fries they could possibly eat, you should get ten answers without hesitation. Number five was the best quarterback in Eagles history, and the one old guy might say Sonny Jurgensen. Okay, fine. But everybody yeah. else should say Donovan McNabb. But they're not going to. You're going to get, oh, uh, uh, who's Randall? Uh, who's, who's Nick Foles? No, it was not Nick Foles. Never Nick Foles. That is never the right answer. Yes, he has a statue. It's got Bud Light under it. Okay? <laughs> not a real statue. Number five, always love you for that, Gene. I also have his jersey. <laughs> Equal time. Equal time. Uh, all right. Let's talk about baseball for a second. So we got some new new rules coming in here, and we got a quote from the the great Rob Manfred. After an extensive process of repeated warnings without effect, <laughs> 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 gathering information from current and former players and others across the sport, two months of comprehensive data collection, listening to our fans, and thoughtful deliberation, I have determined that new enforcement of foreign substances is needed to level the playing field. <laughs> I understand there's a history of foreign substances being used on the ball, but what we're seeing today is objectively far different with much tackier substances <laughs> being used more frequently than ever before. It has become clear that the use of foreign substances has generally morphed from trying to get a better grip on the ball to something else an unfair competitive advantage that is creating a lack of action and an uneven playing field. So starting Monday, can't do this immediately <laughs> starting Monday. Um, MLB is going to start patting down pitchers. <laughs> what, what, what a Listen, powerless back of the hand on the balls when you're <laughs> checking, just so you know, that I, that's a rule, right? Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I. I mean, we talked about it before. Like, how difficult can it be? Is it sticky? Like, 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 have the empire like bounce the ball on his hand? If it like, if there's like a lot of drag <laughs> on it, it's probably altered. But that to me sounds like, you know, a, a teacher talking to a, a group of students that just does not respect you know them, and the teacher's like. All right, I've had enough. We tried this. We tried that. I've asked you nicely to, like, stop vandalizing all the desks. Come Monday, we're going to start suspending yeah. people. Seriously, no murder, guys. No yeah. murder. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to have new rules to enforce the no cheating rule. And get all of your cheating out over the weekend. You know, I I said in our It's like we're chat, going on a diet on Monday. So <laughs> Damn straight. Eat a cake on Sunday. <laughs> I want the I want every pitch thrown by a Philadelphia Philly to be like the ball discolored. <laughs> I want it to look like it was dipped in a vat of spider tack or wherever the hell it's, it's called. Gonna come out of the hand. Like just Yeah. Cuz why the hell not? It's the purge until Monday. Yeah. So just go nuts but it's hilarious i didn't i didn't either see the full statement or didn't read it but that statement is just thing of beauty all right so here's the uh 
Here's the panel. All right, so uh, MLB announced Tuesday, today, uh, that it has provided guidance to all 30 clubs and to umpires to serve as a uniform standard for consistent application of the rules, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Under the new guidelines, any pitcher who possesses or applies foreign substances in violation of the rules will be ejected from the game and automatically suspended in accordance with the rules and past precedent. Suspensions uh, uh, under Rule 3.01 are 10 games. Starting pitchers will have more than one mandatory check per game. And relievers must be checked at the end of the inning when they enter the game or when they are taken out of the game, whichever comes first. Typically, the inspections will take place between innings or during pitching changes to give the umpires ample time to perform a thorough check mm -hmm, uh, without delaying the game. Players will be paid during suspensions for this violation. Repeat offenders will be subject to progressive discipline up to and including termination. I added that. <laughs> <laughs> Clubs and club personnel will also be subject to discipline for failure to ensure compliance with these rules. So why is this? Why does this suddenly strike me as that? What was that horrible uh, MTV show called Room Crashers? You remember that? Where uh, it's Room Raiders, Gene. Room Raiders. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, where where the, the the coup de gras was always when they broke out the black light. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is is that what we're gonna see? Are we gonna see like the you know, or is it gonna be one of those like airport things where they're gonna have to do like the three sixty spin like? Uh, in a lot of I these think cases, it's, it's, be it's like, gotten so bad. It's gotten so bad that, like, I watched a, a video the other day where they just went example after example after example, and it's just, oh my god, like it is oh, just yeah. so painfully. And it's it's you got the guy digging where, into his glove, right? Or 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 it's on the on the forearm. Why? What pitcher needs to do this before throwing a pitch? I, I, like, why? Like, why are you even doing that? Like, there is no, there's nothing that that is part of any sort of routine. Um, I need a quick note from my doctor confirming I have OCD. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, right. I need four touches to the to the forearm between every between every changeup. And if they're not just right, I got to do them all over again. It's just absurd, and you know, and the Phillies are not immune to this. We we have Vince Ooh, Velasquez. Is, we're going to see a different pitcher, a completely different. I'm telling you now, we're going to see a very. Different I try pitcher. watching him too because I was curious. They always cut away though. You don't really get a good. He, he is definitely one of the ones that will go to the arm. Yeah. So yeah. you know, just keep an eye out for that sort of stuff. But hey, I mean, if this guy is literally, it, it's it's such a strange thing because. The idea of the foreign substance on the baseball is somehow like always been connected with me for as long as I've known about baseball. One of the first things that somebody told me was about the spitball and just the whole idea of the spitball just fascinated me. And and to hear that it was made it so, you know, it became illegal. You know, I mean, it just made me want to like, so I can't tell you growing up. Every baseball that I had in my backyard was <laughs> disgusting <laughs> because I was going to figure out how to throw a spitball. All I ended up with was like a gooey hand. Don't recommend. I have no idea why somebody would spit on a ball, but that's because I'm not a professional major league pitcher, shockingly enough. Um, but like, so the whole thing, the whole mythos around. So the fact that this is suddenly 
gotten and I because I imagine that this has always been part of the game. There's never been an era of baseball where the pitchers weren't trying to put things on baseballs. You j- there's just too much at stake for people that are in that level of competitiveness to not try and gain whatever edge they can possibly gain. So this has always been part of baseball. But it's gotten so point to the point where people are no longer good at lying about it. It's just we different. To, we need to get back to good lying in baseball. It's just different in the sense where historically it's been about changing the uh, like the weight distribution of the ball. Like that's what a spitball is, right? You're like changing either the weight of the ball or adding something that will increase wind resistance on the ball or like um, like sandpaper was a thing I think at a time right yeah like sandpaper in the glove and I guess they would scuff up the ball or um I think I remember Kurt Schilling the same way change the shape so that it would have a different break yeah Kurt Schilling would say like he wouldn't cut his nails um and he would try to cut like the seams of the ball uh, with his nails to try to make them um, higher uh, to get like a different kind of like wind action on the ball. This is totally different though. I mean, like this is like this. All of those things seem to a certain degree, like, yeah, maybe not in the spirit of the game, but like, okay. But like what they're putting on the balls now, people are getting hurt. I mean, that, that pitch that hit Bryce Harper in the face, that, that, that pitch had something on it. You think it's been shown a couple of different, oh, really? a couple of different angles that it looks like he applied it, something that it was ball a spider. Played. It was a spider ball. It's a little, little, little something, you know, from here. Spider attack, spider attack. I hate, I hate spider attack. Very nice, <laughs> very nice. Uh. <laughs> it's a spider and it's tack. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Any other spider tag thoughts, guys? No. Do we have a time for a quick fashion, Adelphia? Yes, of course. Okay. Oh, I would so, never deprive us of something like that. So Chris uh, Creamer, uh, famous of Chris Creamer's yeah. sports logos, um, uh, reported or passed on today that the Philadelphia Phillies will be wearing red on the road the rarely seen red alternate jersey is how he described it like i the thought red it was on red not the not the saturday night special no 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 no. but like the like when they sell the jerseys they sell the cream one the powder blues yeah. the pinstripes and then they said the scarlets yeah the scarlet that's what it is which i always just thought was a i love adding practice jersey but um that's going to be incorporated more into the road uniform to phase out the gray or or diminish the gray i think it's going to be red on gray i think it's going to be the red top with gray bottoms is what i what i read but we'll we'll see yeah so uh thoughts dave you said you seem to like it yeah i i i really like it is is this is this is the one i'm thinking of Oh, it I, hasn't didn't, I didn't, I didn't add yet, that to the so. stream. Hold on. There we go. There we go. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's the one. The That's the one. I love it. It's cool. It's going to take me a while to get used to because it to me, that is spring training. That is batting practice. That is something different. Gray pants, right? 
I, that's what Gene said. Yeah. Um, but they mentioned things like, you know, teams having black jerseys and, you know, lots of bold colors. And I, I could go with mixing it up for the Phils. You know, well, this isn't going to be our City Connect jersey, is it? We're not participating in that, right? Not that I know of this year. There's only three more teams doing it this year. The next one is San Francisco. I don't know who the last two are. But, I mean, we'll get our Phillies uh, City Connect jersey. That'll be all green and tied into the Eagles, you know, a season or two. So my favorite City Connect jersey is the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. I love that. I love that. Um, Minor league baseball um, does the like baseball with the Spanish, you know, accent. Yeah, that's gorgeous. And I I do like that. It connects with the community more so than the Cubs, you know, Chi town. No, they're not Chi town. They're Wrigleyville. You know, it's, Okay, that's a bit forced. Here, it's like, hey, we are speaking to our Hispanic population, you know, to give you more ownership of the team. Minor league baseball does that, and I, I'm all in favor of that. I'm, I, that's actually the like when I get my next Phillies jersey. That was the one I was going to get. Was that that scarlet jersey? So. Nice head of the. Happy curve. to see that they're going to be playing that on the field. All right. Well, uh, we only have a few minutes left, so you know what that means. It's time for the penalty box. I didn't know if you were going interactive there. That was a long pause you were going to say than anything, normal. So I wanted to give you, like, you know, oh, the space. Right. Well, I'm happy we're talking about it now. Uh, it makes it more awkward. <laughs> um, Gene, you missed last week, and we missed your stories. So, Gene, who or what or what on earth happened in your penalty box? So uh, I am going to take this opportunity. Uh, it's a week late, but um, I am not going to put anybody in the penalty box this week. But I'm going to send a congratulations, uh, a a box of kudos uh, to the Naaman's Little League eight and nine uh, eight and nine year old team, the 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 champion Cardinals of the Naaman's Little League eight and nine year old league, um, headed up by a three fielding position player, uh, my nephew Jacob, who was uh, who caught for an inning. And um, played a little bit of second base and played a little bit of right field. Uh, he went um, 0 for 1 in the game with a key walk, uh, which allowed uh, the team to um, come back from an 8 1 deficit in the third inning to win the game uh, in six innings. Uh, I just want to highlight one other player. They had a they had a player who was uh, probably their best catcher. And uh, he had been uh, been pitching in practice, uh, but had not pitched in a game. And uh, they got in a situation where they needed a pitcher in the fourth inning. They were down three runs, and they called this kid's number. He came in. Uh, I'm glad at the eight and nine year old level, do they not? They do, they don't call balks, um, <laughs> because that would have taken that inning would have taken a long time. But. Um, he did manage to find a little bit of his rhythm, and uh, after loading the bases, he uh, struck out three in a row to uh, to keep them off the scoreboard. And mm-hmm. um, I have never seen quite as many fired up eight nine year olds. Um, and as you can see, I have still have a little bit of sun uh, because stupidly I did not use any sort of protection in the stands. So. Mike Schmidt would not be happy with you. No, but uh, <laughs> congratulations to my nephew. He has, was totally psyched. This is his first year 
playing in a league where the kids pitch, where they keep score. And um, it's a hell of a lot more fun for his uncle to watch when they keep score. I will tell you that. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to fall ball in a big way. All right. So when we don't do a penalty, we typically do uh, the first star of the game. So uh, the first star of the game, the uh, premier as well, uh, Jacob and the Naaman's Cardinals in the seventh, seven, <laughs> eight-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds, Naaman's eight, Cardinals, eight and nine-year-olds, close enough. And really, um, honestly, a shout out to the Rockies of the Naaman's Little League. They, they were a heck of a team. So great game all around. There we go. They'll get the second star. Um, very good. All right, Dave, who is in your – I forgot for the whistle. All right. Um, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? Um, okay, well, I'm also going to do a star. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I'm going to bring it back. I'm bringing it back to WIP. Hmm. And their uh, and their egregious poll that they uh, that they posted today. This person commented on the poll, and I thought it was a beautiful piece of Twitter art. So I wanted to recognize it here again. If you need a reminder, the tweet from WIP Morning Show is: Do you think Joel Embiid is making his knee injury look worse than it is? Yes or no? Steve Silver at Steve TSRA said: Before I unfollow. I implore folks to find a better source for sports information and discussion. Polls like this are only meant to stoke anger and frustration because that's what generates the biggest response. You're being emotionally manipulated, and it doesn't have to be this way. I thought that was, like, spot on. Encapsulated everything I felt in my heart into one tweet. So for that, I'm putting, uh, I'm making a Steve Silver a star today. All right, see a Silver Steve, Star, Steve Silver Star. <laughs> uh, you're getting the the second star uh, of the evening. Uh, the I'm not gonna try the French. Um, <laughs> the second star of the evening. It's like Duem or something. I don't know. I've never mm -hmm. said before in my mm -hmm. life. Um, for calling out WIP for asking people to do better. Steve Silver, you're getting the second star of the night. Sarah, who is in your penalty box? I don't even know anymore. Now I feel bad because it was, well, whatever. I'm going with <laughs> in my penalty box. It's not going to be a person. It's not going to be a radio station. It's not going to be a niece or a nephew. It's going to be a season. And not only is it a season, it's a whole system of seasons. So, guys... Real quick, don't think about what season are we in right now? Summer. Gene, what season are we in right now? Late spring. All right. Well, you're both correct. And the news, you know, the mainstream media will tell you <laughs> that Gene's answer is correct. That summer doesn't start until uh, June 21st or 20th this the year. And to, no, the solstice, the summer the solstice. solstice. Yeah, right. But that is only for the astrological, uh, astronomical, <laughs> astronomical uh, seasons. There's a whole other system. It's something I've been advocating for years, only to find out recently that it actually exists. It's the meteor meteorological seasons, which summer began in June. Well, it's still June. It's still going to. But on June 1st, summer begins. 
every three months. So June, July, August, summer, September, October, November, fall, <laughs> December, January, February, winter, <laughs> March, April, May, spring. It's what we all consider it anyway, right? Like that's that's what we do, but every time we have to like I have had conversations with my children. You know, it is it is 60 degrees and it's like September 15th, and I go, no, it's still summer. Here, grab a light sweater. You're gonna be cold. It's still summer. You know, the the Christmas music is playing, there is snow on the ground, everything's dead, it's autumn. No, it's not. So abandon what the news media tells you. Abandon astronomical. I really should have had this in front of me. Uh, seasons. Embrace meteorological seasons. So equinoxes and solstices determining our seasons. Go to hell. We're going with our meteorologists. Two minutes. Whoa, that one was loud. <laughs> I just kind of go by like, am I hot? <laughs> well, you're always hot, so it's just it's like summer until like three days in December. Okay, gotta be astrological, right? Well, isn't astro isn't that like astrology? I mean, I have it here on my phone somewhere, but I panicked. But astronomical, it's like, oh my gosh, the season. Well, like astronomy, or meteorological, astronomical. Astronomical? astronomical? Yes. Okay. Like astronomy, like going to the stars, not like not astrology. Okay. You know, those are different seasons. When I think of like astronomical, I just think it's like, oh, it's like so big. It's astronomical. Well, I mean, we are talking about <laughs> seasons here. We're not talking about the seasons the world go around. I mean, it's hard to get bigger. I don't know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Me all right. That's I, all the clearly. time we have for today. If you haven't done so already, Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. And also, check out the Painted Lines Network on YouTube. Uh, they have a whole cavalcade of shows, podcasts, and um, general entertainment for your eye and ear holes to enjoy. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday, uh, talking about what else Eastern conference finals, uh, being hosted by the Philadelphia 76ers and, uh, and Phillies will be coming off of their, their West coast swing. So I'm sure we'll have more baseball talk there as well. Um, until we meet again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>